This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What is up, guys? Welcome to Working Class on DeerCast, episode 96, inching closer and closer to our 100th episode, and I still got to figure out what the heck we're going to do for that. But joining me this week is my good friend, Josh McDaniel. What's up, brother? What's going on, man? How you doing? Dude, it's good. It's good to have you on here this way. It's not ideal. You could be here in studio, which we were just talking before we hit the button you got you and Kristen have done podcasts with us at trade shows or at your bow shop. I mean, it's been the first one's probably early 2016, I would imagine. Yeah, I think well, actually 2017, I think it was the first one. Okay, yep. well, you, yeah, we had you just got the shop then, I believe. Okay, okay, well, you guys yep. deserve a good in studio BS session yeah. archery focused podcast. So, uh, for people yeah. who haven't heard those episodes, uh, what do you do? I own uh, Shooter's Archery here in Linton, Indiana. Uh, I've been wrenching on bows since, gosh, ever since I eight, nine years old, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been playing with archery game for a long time. Um, I got into the sales side of things since I graduated high school and been kind of working on them and selling archery and hunting stuff ever since. So, uh, and here I am. We, I think 2017, I just said I was the first year we got the shop. Mm-hmm. That was officially my own, our own shop. You know, I've worked for different places and different shops for a long time. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's when we officially finally decided to uh, get our own thing and dive off into it. And here we are, man. Yeah. yeah, this time of year, I'd love to get over there and do a um, do an in-house one. Man, this is our busy, busy time of the year. It's kind of <laughs> kind of tough to get away. I can't even get out west and do anything. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of sacrificed that western hunting for my whitetail season. So. Yeah, I can imagine because so for everyone knows, I just drove to your shop by the time this launches be about two weeks ago, week and a half ago, whatever it was. And it's a little less than five hours for me to get there. And so I got my new bow in and some parts. I'm like, it's the best reason for me to just come out and see you. And we, I just drove out there 
and you helped me tune my bow in and set everything up and and all that. So um, yep. I was willing to sacrifice a full day to get to a good quality bow shop, but also, of course, I get to see you guys, which is a, a big plus. Oh, but yeah. I have I had the feeling of my bow being exactly how it should be when I left. Yep. And that's what I wanted coming into this fall. And, and that we'll kind of get into some of what we're going to talk about here because I feel like a lot of people, wherever they're at, kind of lack that good pro shop or um, maybe there's a good pro shop, but it's not like a very welcoming atmosphere right. to like ask questions or ask for a little extra or ask for help or, or something like that. Um, yeah, no, I agree. It's a kind of a dying thing right now. But with that being said, did you, uh, I haven't got to talk to you when you got home. I mean, did you get that sucker dialed in or what? Dude. Yeah, I have. So I've been shooting. Um, I've been trying to shoot every day, but a lot of times I'll have my kids and I'll be like, go out and like yesterday I shot maybe 15 arrows and then it was like, all right, dad duty calls and I'm back in. So, um, that's how I'm getting my practice and it's, it might only be 20 arrows tops, but, um, I'm trying to make them good 20 arrows. Right. So, yeah. So yeah, I've been shooting. It's been great. I'm excited for you, man. I, uh, I kind of, I really try to live through my Western guys this time of year. I, I spend a little bit more time not be able to go out there myself. So I like to really spend the extra time and sit down with the guys and uh, get them ready because you know, out there, that's most of these trips are hunts of a lifetime for sure. And these guys, these guys really learn to appreciate what I do at the shop. Um, when you can, when you go to an actual pro shop, uh, not just a mom and pop, you know, bow shop that a lot of these guys don't know a whole lot, but um, when you're going to a pro shop, you're really looking for that. Um, that guy that can really kind of get you that hybrid feel where you're um, kind of bring target, the target world, to the hunting world and kind of meet in the middle because obviously, you know, a lot of places out West, I mean, you're, they're 60 is our 20 here in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, so you have to really be fine tuned on your equipment. Um, especially like in your situation, you're trying to go out there with fixed blade broadheads yeah. and, and be able to reach out there and touch one. Um, and that takes a lot of work. That's not just something that, um, you can just slap together, throw a couple lasers on and you're good <laughs> to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. But I really do appreciate it because I know I know like you guys, you, you'll drive five hours to come down and get sure make sure it gets done right. Yep. Um, a lot of Midwestern hunters are they're gonna take one week off in the in the middle of November and they're gonna sit in the timber where it's twenty five yards and less and they really don't get to appreciate uh what it actually takes to get a real, real fine tuned, efficient, uh forgiving setup. But definitely. That and uh, you know, that's what I wanted. And I'm not saying that maybe I could have found a shop closer. And I know yeah. there's there's a lot of great shops. Um, Hunters yeah. Hunters Haven and Champagne. My buddy Cole's bow shop's a great bow shop. They uh, I went there for my, to get my Omnia set up. I came to you to get my Era set up. Um, not for really, really. I just wanted to see you and have you set it up and just kind of right. make a day out of it with you and and go through some of the we we you know we come to my setup. I think a little more than what I normally would have on, right. on year to year. Um, and, and, and honestly, archery is something I got really heavy into, uh, more like the accuracy and all the fine-tuning of the arrows and per arrow and all that. And then I kind of was like, I, I, this is going to make you cringe a little bit probably, but f- <laughs> fell out of like obsessing over it as much and right. just got it to where it was good enough for me. Right. And it's now you's, you've kind of got me thinking, uh, feeling well, feeling guilty about it a little bit after being mm-hmm. at your shop. I'm like, man, I'm slipping. <laughs> right. 
Well, you know, even you know, correlate that to the Midwest. The way I kind of, way I look at it is, man, every it's a game of inches sometimes um, on big old mature whitetails, uh, and you might not, you might be, you know, looking at one crack at all season long. Uh, if you can get that bow dialed in and as forgiving of a setup as you could possibly have, um, that one little bitty half inch could be all the difference on the bottom of the heart or shooting right under him or mm-hmm. the top of the lungs or hitting them high, you know, just yeah. by those little crucial details, uh, might be the difference between, you know, it's 52 yards now instead of 42 yards and your confidence levels at a different, a different level when you pay attention to little things and your forgiveness is there. Yeah. And, and that's ultimately what we're trying to do. It's not like we're doing anything just crazy. It's just trying to get that setup of yours to be as forgiving as it could possibly be for mm-hmm. you. Um, and you know, in this game, man, confidence is everything. Soon as you just, soon as you had a little bit of doubt in your head, it's over. I mean, you got to build yeah. as soon as you see that sucker, it's game over in yeah. your mindset. Whether that happens or not, you know, anything yeah. that happens, that's why it's hunting. But as long as you have that mentality that, Hey, you know, the sucker's dead soon as, uh, and that's kind of how we practice. We do a lot of, uh, obviously, obviously a lot of target archery throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And I just do that. I mean, I like to compete a little bit, but it's, at the end of the day, ultimately, it's to to have that that small maneuver. I'm trying to hit 12s or spots out to you know 40, 50, 60 yards or whatever, mm-hmm. and then ultimately a whitetail. I mean, it's like slam dunk. I, I not I don't ever get that feeling. 40 and in, I feel like it's I always 100 percent feel like I'm going to kill that sucker, mm-hmm. and it um, you know that goes back to the little things like that. But yeah, but anyway, yeah, that's that's just how I kind of look at it, and that's kind of how we treat it here at the shop. I think it's probably the healthiest mindset and and i will say when i when i say fell out of it a little bit i don't want you to think that and and, or listeners to think that i wasn't shooting my bow right right. Uh, you know i'm still shooting but i was like i was making sure everything's shooting how i wanted good enough for me but i kind of fell out of like being as into the archery stuff when i feel like you should be as into it because you kept saying you know like dude if it gets you 10 more yards and, and you know 10 more yards is in if I'm good out to 70, if all of a sudden I'm sinking them in at 80 and I'm feeling really good, I'm twice as confident at 30. Three times mm-hmm. as con- you know, I'm feeling really good at a 30-yard shot. And right. uh, like you said, my setup's more forgiving, especially like fixed blades when I'm trying to shoot. I'm shooting uh, – well, like we can cut into – maybe we talk about what we did with my bow. Um, right. Because we – talking to you, I went in with my arrow set up. You're like, man, you could be underspined. Right. Which I was yeah, like, so really? We- so. Yeah, so when we went into that, um, you know, as typically, and every bow's kind of got its own DNA. Um, I just knew when we looked at your specs and what you were running the front end, I knew that we were probably kind of on that line. And sometimes on that line, you're good, and sometimes you're not, you mm-hmm. know, until, because uh, every bow's kind of, D- its DNA is a little different. You hear a lot of guys will say, oh, you should always go stiffer uh, in all cases if you're on the line. And that's not necessarily the case when you really dive off into the fine tuning uh, and really, you know, kind of deep diving off into the grass a little bit. Um, if, if you, if you really get to tune that bow, uh, some, some arrows and some bow combinations like just a tick weaker spine whenever you're on the line and then some like a stiffer spine, it's just really, ultimately you gotta, you gotta shoot it and find out. Mm-hmm. And I kind of told you that going into it, yeah. uh, just from my experience, you were going to be right on that line and was probably going to be what it was. But if you remember when we actually tuned it through paper, uh, we, sh- we, we shot, uh, we'll kind of go through, I guess we'll kind of go through the listeners, what we did. Um, so for Kurt, he was wanting to, uh, you're getting ready to go out to Utah, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah, Elk hunt. To to so, Utah. so I wanted and, fixed uh, blades. 
yeah, he wants to fix play. This is a hunt of a lifetime for him. I mean, he's waited his whole life to do this. So mm-hmm. uh, and I know he's shooting uh, a fixed blade broadhead. So ultimately what I do now, this is not the end all. And I, I kind of told you this, everybody's yep. got their own tuning methods, but this is what's worked for me is I like to go. As soon as we get a new bow set up, I want to go shoot through a fletch shaft through paper, get that all lined up that we need to. And then once we get that dialed in, then I'm going to go to a bear shaft and I'm going to shoot that through paper. Because that's going to tell what's going to happen is it's going to tell on what the boot the bow is at now, and it's going to talk. It's going to tell on you if you're not shooting and executing good shots. Yeah, and it's going to also kind of tell on that arrow setup. If it's I was a, nervous, uh, I'm like, I'm going to expose how <laughs> crappy of a shot I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you were good, man. Um, and we found out a couple of things about you know the also at the time the spine line on your arrow, like the different uh, where the spine was actually aligned at on it, and yeah. uh, things like that. But we also find out you know. Did we build the arrows from scratch right? And we actually got perfect bullet holes with both. So most guys would have stopped right there and thought, you know, this arrow is perfect and we're good to go. Um, but what I find is if I can do, this saves me from chewing up a broadhead target or ch- knocking off veins or spinning and banging my head against a wall trying to do it the, the old-fashioned way. And I, typically if I can get um, a bear shaft and a flesh shaft, both bullet holes through paper, and then we'll go back to about 10 yards, and then I'm going to try to, I'm going to shoot at a spot and uh, whether you hit it or not, I'm going to shoot a flesh shaft and I'm going to shoot a bear shaft. And ultimately what I want, we might have to do it a couple of times because if you don't execute a perfect shot, that bear shaft's going to tell on you. Mm-hmm. So don't, don't, we don't ultimately just like first time we see it and it's not there, freak out. Uh, we want to shoot a few of them. We want some consistency. But if 10 yards, if you got your flesh shaft and your bear shaft stacking together perfectly parallel with each other, we're well on our way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you got, to, in your case, if I remember right, we were, I knew we were on a line. A line on enough that that, that stiffer, um, that weaker shaft did well through paper. Mm-hmm. It was when we tried to do the, the, the bear shaft test is when it told us that you were just a little weak. You kept, yep. you were parallel. Everything was great. In most cases, most guys would have left it be, but it's that little fine tune. I was talking about for, on, on forgiving your setup a little bit more is that you were uh, constantly right of your flex shaft, mm-hmm. which ultimately tells you you're just a little weak. So I think you were going to run a 125 head. Yep. Correct. And then, uh, so I threw a 100 grain fill tip in there and then all, it just cleaned right up and they were stacked together. Yep. Uh, yep. And, and vice versa would be if you were too stiff and say we, uh, had a hundred grain on there and we would have shot and you would have kept hitting your bear shafts left of your flex shaft, then we would have threw that 125 on there and that would have cleaned it up. Yeah. So, and we could have, we could have went the other ways of doing that would have been added poundage or taking off poundage or keeping your arrow length longer mm-hmm. or taking some off. Um, in your case, you were cool with whether we shot a 120 or a 125 or I mean, yeah. a 100 or 125. So yeah, for uh, sure. It made it pretty easy for you. Yeah, it was cool, man. The process was neat. Um, it was, you know, shooting, you're like, execute a good shot. And I caught myself. Well, one, I was like being awesome. I'm like, I'm nervous because you're watching me. And I know you're watching <laughs> yeah. me. And yeah. so I was like doing these weird, like brushing my shots when I shouldn't have been. You're like, and that was nice that you were there. You're like, make a good shot. Click, yep. Get to your click. Okay. All right. That was a good shot. And then I'd pull you like, you, you didn't really make a good shot. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. So it was, it was good <laughs> I though. You, I needed it, yeah. you know, and I think yeah, most no. people probably do. Yeah. You just had a couple of little things there, obviously to kind of clean up on, um, you know, and most guys don't get that, but on a fixed blade, that's the only negative to them. And they just like a bear shaft, they will tell on you. They'll play easy if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. And really the only thing that, that I really wanted you to work on and you kind of cleaned up there was I kind of talked to you about like the mustache hair and right in here is facial pressure. Like Notice how cleaned really up careful. I am. Yep. I like that. <laughs> you were just a little thicker here and just a little extra too much facial pressure was causing that, that shaft 
ultimately just to come out um, and trying to correct itself. Now on a fletching, we'll fix that for you a lot of times, but we don't want that. You know, we want, yeah. and if we shot a bear shaft through there, you've seen it. It told you every yeah. time. And as soon as you really started going light on it, it cleaned it right up. And I've been, so, I've been practicing that. I'm trying to be very conscious of making that a, ha a habit of being lighter on it because yep. I feel like not having you tell me that and I'm shooting by myself, I'm not realizing how much facial pressure I'm putting, especially with the right. kisser button. I'm kind of like, get that kisser button in there, which I, you know, it's like, yep. just touch it there. Don't cram yeah. it in. Yeah. You know, and I tell, I, so I have a lot of, we do a lot of lessons here at the shop. And uh, so one of the things I always tell her about, you can't see yourself. So you can have a lot of bad habits and you feel like you're, you're doing great on certain things, but if you can't see yourself, then you don't know. So I started doing the technology now. I started taking, uh, telling guys, okay, here, this is exactly what you should look like right now. It looks great. And obviously, I can't be there with you every time you shoot to tell mm -hmm. you. So I would take a picture of them and then let, and send that to them and let them see that. And then when they start to shoot, I'll have them just video themselves or you know have somebody take a picture of them. And they can go back and refer. And then now you can kind of see, oh, I'm a lot more on that fa facial expression or I'm yeah. – um, you know, or I got my shoulders too high and, you know, whatever it may be, my, my shoulder might be collapsing too much. That's like, that's a common one too, is like where a guy's shoulders really collapsing and um, it's really shortening the draw length a little bit. Mm. And then you want to keep that down. You can't see these things. These are things that I kind of battled myself for years. Just shoot. I could teach it for years, but I had nobody there teaching me to kind of clean up on some of my stuff and yeah. just some things to do that kind of help with that. Again, at, at the end of the day, we're just we're not trying to change a ton, but we're just trying to get that little extra forgiveness, mm -hmm. whether it be um, just to gain 10 more yards or just to get a little bit more of that fixed blade broadhead that we want. Um, just the little things like that. I see a, got, a lot of guys that obviously is what I do. Guys will wait till literally the last second to screw their fixed blade broadheads on and decide to go out there. Uh, and then all of a sudden they start to come in a complete panic and they go from, you know, shooting field tips out the feeling really good out to 50, 60 yards all year. And then now, 30 yards as far as they want to shoot because they just don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, they're just not hitting the same point of impact or their grouping is not the same, whatever. Um, and ultimately, like, like I was telling you, and I'm kind of all over the place here, but some of the things that really, really important is not only you got to tune your bow, that's, that's the most obvious. Everybody thinks it's always just the bow, but you've got, there's three aspects to it and you got to tune yourself, obviously, and make sure you're making great shots. And then you got to tune your arrows just as much. You got to build your arrows from scratch. And there's a lot that goes into that. Mm -hmm. If you do all those and then, then you go to your fixed blade broadheads and do like that tuning process that we did. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's not every broadhead. You might have to main, change a little bit, but a lot of your basic fixed blade broadheads, especially your um, not real big cutting fixed blade broadheads, they will uh, yeah. fly just like your field tips. I mean, I, I generally, I don't even shoot a fixed blade. Uh, but I tune my bow to a fixed blade every single year, and I always have one in the quiver. Um, but I know that if my bow is shooting that fixed blade out to 60 yards like field tips, then everything else, that's as forgiving as that bow setup can be. Okay. And uh, and then I can have anything else in my quiver I want. I know it's going to fly just like my field tips. Yeah. And I, I ultimately, I shoot, a lot of guys will say, well, I'm getting them flying pretty good. I just moved my sight. But ultimately, I, I want to shoot a ton throughout the whole season, and I want to. I don't want to shoot broadheads the whole season. Uh, I don't right. want to I don't want to chew up targets. I just want to keep on shooting my field tips, you know. Mm -hmm. so, no, it makes, something to really makes think sense. about. I mean, if you guys got a pro shop somewhere close by, it's just make sure you make sure you do your homework and really find them out. You'll find out real quick you, just through through the grapevine in your neighborhood who who the guys are that are real serious about uh, really doing the particular things. Um, but like I was telling you before, the the, the actual pro shops kind of a dying thing right now with with the world yeah. of online sales and. Um, 
as easy as it is, Facebook Marketplace and things like this, it really puts a lot of the the old timers kind of out of business right now. Yeah, and, uh, you don't really know what you're doing. You brought a lot up when just like shop talk, right. like you were just. I was just right. talking to you while you were messing with my bow, or we were in the shop hanging out, and there was a lot of stuff like I didn't really think about that. It's like, oh yeah, that does make sense, you know, because there I really don't think there's not that many shops anymore. And, and you always hear about the bad shops and then the good shops and where you need to go. And that's the whole like word of mouth thing, which is huge for local pro shops. But um, right. if you want to talk about a few things that like what's hurting the modern pro shop, like I know the list can go on and on and maybe you'd have to think about it in conversation, but right. Right. Yeah. Some of the, a lot of the things, I mean, a lot of guys just, it's just a lot of people these days just don't think um, obviously you get a working man, He's working 60 hours a week and he's trying to support habits, but he's for hunting season. He's, he's trying to do multitask is what he's trying to do. He's at, uh, he's at work, working a 10, 12 hour shift and he's sitting there trying to shop while he's at work just to keep from having to go do stuff. So he'll send it straight to the house, not even thinking about the guy down the road. Um, the, the local guy, you can go buy that off of. And generally like me, I'm going to end up hurting myself if you buy it off me, just because every time you come in, I'm going to continue to give you those little bitty things for free just to show you my support that you shop local, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of guys just don't think about shopping local anymore. It's just too easy. And we're all guilty of it, man. When you can sure. sit, literally get things shipping free right to your front door without you even having to go get it. It's so dang convenient, man. It's, mm -hmm. it's so hard. Um, but I just, you know, a lot of guys, me, like I'll just, my, my labor prices, it's easy for me. Then it's black and white. You buy it somewhere else. I'm not going to be that, that old grouchy dude that when you buy a bow somewhere else and you bring it to me, I'm just going to charge a full price on labor that, uh, that I wouldn't before, you know? Right. And most guys, when you explain that to them, most of them, they're pretty cool about it. They get it, you know? And generally most of the time I shop, they'll come right back and now they're going to buy a couple more things because now they kind of feel bad about it and they, they want to sh you know, show support for shop local. But for sure. uh, a lot of guys just don't even think about it, man. Yeah. Uh, it's like not like a, it's not a malicious move. It's just an no. easy move. It is. You know, like I said, we're all guilty of it now. So since I had my shop, now it's funny all the things that I would go to the big city to buy or buy online. Now I tried to shop around a little bit and see who locally would have it to where I can go and support them. Yeah. Um, but it's just something everybody should just kind of think about for a second. If you got a good shop, you need to try to show a little bit of support. If you could just, we want to make sure everybody wants to see a good shop around, but when they don't support them and they go under, then everybody's, you know, bummed out when there's not a good shop around anymore. And right now it is, it's, it's tough. A lot of guys just don't want to put up, um, a lot of people are rude a lot now, obviously than before. Yeah. Um, and you got, you got to know how to deal with people, man, especially this time of year, it gets a little crazy. Um, I bet. Well, I was compared like a bow shop. So there's, it seems like taxidermy shops, tattoo shops, bow shops are kind of like, and you know, you know, fill in the blank. Those are just things that I'm familiar with. Right. They are notorious for having an unwelcoming vibe when you walk in. That's why I like, I have my tattoo shop now and I have the taxidermy like old barn. Right. They're, they're great. And, and, you know, I have some friends with great bow shops and that's where I go. Um, mm -hmm. But I got burnt out on s some of the grouchy bow shops in our area. And then even when I did drive an hour just outside of that, it's like everyone's there. I always got the vibe. They were annoyed that I was there. Right. And I'm like, yeah, all right. It's kind of the vibe right now, man. Especially if you, if you brought something in. It, I say the old timers. A lot of us new school guys, um, we kind of we know just with times you you got to be that way. You can't 
can't be bummed out all the time when somebody buys it from somewhere else. But in those golden years, man, those guys, there was no online. Guys would drive two hours to come buy a bow off you every year, and they had to come there. Uh, bow dealerships were a lot more loyal to you. You know, if you if you picked up a bow dealership, uh, if you're a Matthews dealer, I mean, you weren't 50 miles. Nobody could have another shop within 50 miles of you. And that was kind of the norm with mm. a lot of the bow dealerships. So if you're a good shop and you're able to pick up all the dealerships, I mean, people would drive, you know, an hour and a half, two hours to come all the way to you to get a bow, test it out, see it. Now, man, you can get on <laughs> anywhere online and find that stuff. And again, yeah. man, I'm not that guy. I tell everybody all the time, I'm not. Because a lot of guys don't think about it, but then a lot of guys feel real, you know, they're they're kind of bummed out. They're like, I oh, mean, I'm so sorry. I'm like, dude, it's not it's not that big, man. I get it. You know, you got a pretty good deal on it. Yeah. Or you bought it off your cousin or your whoever, and you're trying to, you know, make everybody happy that way. You know, right. I'm not that type. Uh, I'm, I'm still going to work on it and do the same on it uh, as, 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 as good as it was if you bought it off me. I'm just going to, obviously, the prices go up on things like that. For sure. Uh, every little nickel and dime thing I can do, I'm going to do because – that's how it, you know, that's how I make my, my money. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's a, it's a different world now. It's like a lot of things you deal with now too, that kind of stink is people don't think about, um, they'll buy something online, um, and then, and then never buy anything from you and they're in your shop, maybe the indoor leagues or whatever. And then they come in and then they try to sell to the other people that are in the indoor league, Ooh. you know, kind of undercutting you, um, in your own house. Kind of frustrated me. Yeah. It's like, it is what it is, but a lot of people don't think about it. And you hate to, you let it happen once, twice, and then say, no, you're starting to build up a little bit and you get a little frustrated. And then you yeah. kinda, then it's gotten too far. And then, of course, somebody gets upset. But people just need to think a little bit more about your local shop. You know, they're paying rent or they got to keep the lights on. You coming in, selling your own archery product while we're there, obviously, is not. If you want to go down to the Casey's parking lot and do it, that's one thing. But to do it in the shop. It's or the shop area. parking lot. <laughs> yeah, shop parking lot. We see a lot of that, um, especially it's it's always in the indoor season. We don't see a ton of hunters do that, but it's usually just during the competition seasons. Yeah. People just not thinking, you know. Yeah, I'm um, sure it's another one of those things that's not a malicious move to, like, screw you, but just something that people do and, like, oh, and if, you know, I guess if they're thought about it, like, oh, yeah, I can kind of see how that was probably not the best move, for, especially right. for my local shop. But, you dude, it, it's – it's a bummer to think about like the way everything's going because it, it is too easy. Just grab whatever when I, it, people just need to think about it. Like, um, honestly, we are going to order bow cases and I'm like, well, I'm going to Eric and I talked. I was like, well, I'm going to Josh's tomorrow. I'll see if they have them. And right. we actually just ordered them through you, which is an option. But, um, can people call your shop and order stuff through you and then absolutely yep. yeah so they can just call yep. online if they're like hey can you get me this you could put it in and then i know yep. eric has shipped you stuff and you've tuned it for him and then you've shipped it back and yep. yeah that's one of my favorite things to do I and mean, we do that all over the all over the country uh, i make i do a lot of custom arrow builds i send all over the place um that's one of my favorite things to do is like what eric and uh, i've had a couple other guys do there within the uh, working class guys there were um they'll send me their bow i usually i want a bear shaft i want a fletch shaft uh send me your bow whatever you want put on it um i mean i'm gonna try to get off your old your previous bow like the peep height um so i know where to put the peep and tie it in for you now this is not going to be like sometimes not precise sometimes it is i think like just about every time eric's is perfect mm -hmm. um but you might have to do a little bit of fine-tuning depending on like if your axle axle is a little different than the other bow peep height might change a little bit yeah. but if i can tune that bow if i can tune that bow and get everything absolutely perfect for me 
then it should be minor, minor adjustments for you once you get it home. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of guys will argue that, well, if I paper tuned it for you, then it's not tuned. Unless you're doing something absolutely crazy, it will be pretty close. It'll be in the ballpark. Okay. Enough that it shouldn't take – you got most of the headache out of the way, and by the time you get it – and maybe it's the same. I mean, it, may, it might be the same as me. About 50% of the time, if I tune a bow, it's usually tuned to everybody else. But there's some other guys, like if you got a little bit too much facial pressure or you're torquing a little too hard – or mm-hmm. a little bit more heel pressure than the average guy. You might have to clean up just a little bit in that paper tear, you know, or whatever. But, yeah, I, I enjoy doing that because then it's kind of more of my close time. I can sit back and really dive off in it. Nobody's really bothering me, and I can really tune that sucker up for you. And, yeah, that's uh, a cool option, man, especially for guys locally who maybe just don't feel comfortable at a shop nearby or don't have the yeah. option to get what they want. They can just be like, hey, yo, heard the podcast. Can I shit my bow? To yeah, you, and, and then you could touch it yourself and ship it back, which yeah, is pretty I enjoy, dang cool. I enjoy doing that. Yeah, I, I enjoy doing that. That's some of my favorite things to do, especially uh, any, anytime I can get out of the out of the state to other people. It's always kind of cool, you know. And then they send me pictures of what they killed with it all, and uh, or most of the time, man. Usually, about eighty five percent of the time, it's usually tuned perfect for them too. I mean, it. I mean, that's not always. Um, yeah. it's been, I've been pretty lucky that if I tune it up pretty good uh, for myself and I ship it out, it's usually almost spot on for a lot of guys. What, what do you um, do for custom arrow? I know you said, you said custom arrow builds and we'll ship them out. Yep. Like what, what the full blown from start to finish, whatever they want. Yeah. So if I like, like I like you, I know you're going to shoot a fixed blade broadhead. You're really going to appreciate the little bitty thing. So I'm trying when I basically like you're hand loading ammo for a thousand yard rounds, right? Yeah. You can buy some Hornady's off the shelf or uh, some Winchester's or some whatever, you know, whatever load you want. You can, they shoot pretty dang good off the shelf mm-hmm. at, hundred yards but when you start shooting a thousand yards you start to see that group open up a little bit yeah. same kind of thing with arrows i mean you could just buy some with today's today's technology man we're in the golden years again with with arrows and with everything it's you you got a through z on choices used to it was a b or c and you pick which one of them you want mm-hmm. now you can literally find anything and everything you want um but what i like to do is i like to really build them from scratch um and as simple as you know trying to figure out um not to dig too deep too deep into it but some of the things a lot of guys don't think about is uh on high-end arrows a lot of them will are not 100 percent straight i mean they'll tell you that they're you know 0.06 or 0.03 0.01 whatever it is but they all got a little bit of wobble um you'll the the higher the match grade on them like a 0.01 the more the less duds you'll have in the the group or a little bit more straight you'll have Mm -hmm. but a lot of these arrows if you start to put them on the spinner and start spinning you'll see one end or the other wobble a little bit more and me, myself, personally, if I'm really going to do an ultimate arrow build, I'm going to cut off whatever end has the more wobble, and that's how we're going to start from. Now, obviously, a lot of guys ain't going to like that because when you got half a dozen arrow, your labels are all you know, <laughs> mismatched down through, and it drives some guys nuts. But that arrow, that's the straightest part of that whole shaft that you got there. So, And again, on a fixed blade, that makes a big difference. Yeah. You know? And then ultimately, we're going to do that, and then we're going to, we're going to cut it, and then we're going to square both ends just as good – uh, and, and not just the the point in, but the knock in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be both completely square. And then um, generally, we're going to try to spine align a little bit if we can. Um, figure out you know which which side it's on. Um, I do that a couple different ways. You know, I'll roll it through uh, like the uh, last chance has got a, a deal. There's the T bone. I don't know if you've seen that. It's got uh, you can it's got a squaring device in it. It's got a spine aligner in it. You can uh, kind of square the broadheads and some different stuff on it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I usually figure that out. And I'll mark off of that. Um, it's not the end all, but that's usually a good starting point. And yeah. I, what basically what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get a cookie cutter. I want every single arrow cookie cutter of each other and as good as I can make that particular arrow. 
Yeah, that makes and sense. Generally, well, generally, once we get the components in it, uh, then I usually still burr shaft tune a little bit. And like when we did on yours, you could see that um, at one point when we shot it, we had a little bit more terror one way than we did another way. And mm -hmm. I usually just go like 90 degree and then um, kind of go off of that until it cleans it up. Some arrows, I mean, that's where your higher grade arrows will help you. You'll get less of those. Um, no matter which way you spin them, they, you know, they're going to shoot perfect. But you'll every once in a while get that one arrow that's kind of a headache. And it seems like once you turn it like 90 degrees, boom, it's cleaned up. And then I'll fletch off of that. Usually mark all that so I can uh, fletch that main cock vein off of that every single time. Yeah. That way, each one is kind of cookie cutter. And then typically another thing I do, I, I get a little crazy with my stuff. We do a lot of long range stuff. Mm -hmm. um, really makes a big difference. And what I'll do is I'll kind of. Uh, I'll take all my component, my arrow components, whether it be my inserts, uh, my veins, my knocks, um, pretty much all that stuff. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to weigh all of them uh, and my shafts. Mm -hmm. So all the shafts are hopefully within a grain to two grains within each other. But I'm going to mark them like a medium, like a light, medium, and heavy on everything. So then I'm going to put together those arrows that will have uh, like a light shaft with a little bit heavier veins. Uh, if you actually get to start weighing them, you'll, it'll blow your mind how much the, each vein is a little different from each other. Yeah. How each insert's a little different, each knock and each shaft. And what I'm trying to do is get equal, uh, equal on each shaft. I don't want to, cause sometimes you might build one next thing I know you happen to put a heavy of everything in that one shaft and ends up being like five grains, four to five grains heavier than your lightest shaft. Mm, yeah. You know, long range. It's going to make a difference, you know? So yeah, yeah. I try to really dig down and really put it together not you're going to majority i would say 70 percent of them all going to weigh right there in the middle but you're going to get some they're extremely heavy for that batch and then some are going to be extremely light usually one or two of each so i try to really put that together and then build it from there yeah um, just so I have like perfect just perfect perfect arrows you know it, it really goes in you know and someone someone might be listening to this that just wants to shoot deer at 20 yards and they're like mm -hmm. man that's a lot but like you yeah. said, it, you know, at the beginning, it's like the most forgiving your setup could possibly be. Like everything is like how it should be. But we've all been to the range or out shooting with a buddy who is as, I don't know, calling that meticulous might be, is that offensive? If I say you're meticulous with that? No, not really. No. Uh, that's because, why I got into this. That's why I got into this a long time ago, man. You go to yeah. your local bow shops this time of year. A lot of them are extremely busy mm -hmm. and a lot of them. This that kind of guy can be a little bit almost annoying to him. We're like, God, he's back again. And I just got to the point I got sick of being annoying, and I just learned it all myself. Yeah. Every time I wanted that D loop just a little longer, I wanted that peep moved up just, you know, I mean, every day coming back, that guy's like, you know, geez, you need to learn this stuff yourself. Yeah. Um, and that kind of that's kind of what got me down this rabbit hole. Um, and and my yeah. west again, my western guys, I they're going to be really particular about these things, right? Mm -hmm. Your Midwestern guys, a lot of them aren't. But at the end of the day, it's, it, you know, yes, it's, maybe you're just shooting 20 and in, but we can always get better. Like there's always something we can do to get a little better. Um, For sure. And, and whether we start challenging ourselves to shoot a little farther so that, um, you know, we can at 20 yards, we're hitting dimes every single time. Yeah. Instead of before you're happy with a, a baseball, you know, let's, let's challenge yourself a little bit. And sometimes that's, that's just what we need. Um, yeah. if, if we got eight, nine out of 10 arrows were every single time, perfect, but you always get that one arrow. Well, that's where that building that extra forgiveness can be. That one arrow can stay more consistent with the rest of them. Yeah. Two ends. Like what I was going to say, you know, we've all shot with a buddy who just sinks a man, no matter what the distance yep. is. And you're like, dang, how, well, that's how, you know, it's, yep. you know, I guess it'd kind of be like, 
You know, it's like pulling a, a Huffy off the bike rack and expecting to go get in a BMX race and beat the dude as a fully built bike. Right. Absolutely. You know, it's right. like, yeah, you might still be fast and you can probably hit the same jumps, but it ain't, it's not looking near as good as a guy who built his own bike and like put right. a little more effort into it. I don't know if it's a good analogy or not. It's, I guess it yeah, makes no. sense to me because I grew up doing that, but, but you know, it, uh, so if, Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on waypoint tv don't miss primo's truth about hunting wednesday nights at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment when you just get those arrows and you just get it tuned good enough and you don't go through all that if, if you do shoot at 100 yards and you're shooting pretty good there's a lot of that is probably just luck and that your setup was good enough to do it it's kind of what i'm seeing yeah, with absolutely. this you know like yeah and, and again we're not everybody on here is not going to shoot up to 100 yards but right i'm telling you if you can do it it's extreme uh, example for yeah but for i mean the these result. bows are that these bows are that good now i mean they are that efficient i can take right now i can take a beginner customer and usually within about 30 minutes i can have him shooting 30 yards and keeping it in a softball mm-hmm. um on a new shooter obviously didn't have any bad habits and if they pay attention right they're usually pretty good man when i was when i was a kid 30 yards was up. I mean, that was like 70 yards. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was just because just the equipment wasn't near as efficient as it is now. Yeah. Um, and again, we're, I don't, I don't, I'm not telling customers they need people to go out there and shoot at a hundred yards. But if you want to just for fun in those situations, we've all been there, man. It's a rut. It's cold. The wind's hitting you. Tears are just rolling down your face. You can't, <laughs> can't hardly see. Um, and it's a 32 yard shot. That's where all that been out shooting out to 190, 80 yards. Um, that's still a chip shot to you, even in the most extreme conditions like that. Yeah. Um, so it just helps helps all that. And, and at the end of the day, I have a lot of customers come in. You know, a lot of them tell me all the time, they're like, "Man, I don't. That's a, that's just unethical to shoot. You know, at a deer out past 30 yards. In some pace, in some people's case, that might be. But this is what I always say is, but what if you know we've all bow hunted things happen. You hit a limb, hit one back, and he's out there 62 yards, hunched over. To me, it becomes a lot more ethical at that point to put another one in them. And if you've been shooting out to 70, 80, 90, 100 yards all summer long, you're not even hesitating and you're putting another one in them. And that could be the difference between, you know, coyotes getting to him or not or uh, going over on a neighbor's property that you can't, uh, whatever it may be. We've all been there. It's, it's bow hunting. You know, it sucks. Yep. But yep. sometimes that little bit of help might have been all the difference. Um, uh, plus, like I said, it makes all the other ones like slam dunk shots whenever you practice out that range. We, just, we all should humble ourselves a little bit. And kind of push ourselves. Yeah. Um, I just, I get that average customer all the time, man. They just, they get on a, they get on a target and in the backyard, 20 yards up. Oh, that's good. I don't need to shoot anymore, man. We can always get better. There's always uh for sure something we can do to just to give ourselves just a little bit more. Well, not only that, like I know people hate on the long range thing and mm-hmm. right. You know, we could all go through, of course, if the deer is doing this, don't do, you know, but it's just fun. It's fun in mm-hmm. the yard to shoot. 80 yards yep. it's fun to shoot 50 yards even if you're never going to shoot out a whitetail or if you're getting ready for an elk hunt like i am you know yep. i mean i'm gonna i'm probably gonna instead of sitting at that 20 yard mark 
to just get my 20 yard confidence. I'm probably going to dance between that 40 and 70 and make sure I feel really good at those distances. And, and you said, maybe it's the initial shot. Maybe it's a follow-up shot. And it's mm-hmm. also out West. You just never know what you're going to get into. Never know, man. That's, that's what's the crazy thing about it. And yeah. you don't want to, man, you just don't want to go back and, um, just because you didn't have the confidence there, you had the shot there, but because you hadn't put enough into it, like what's good about right now, you go on this Western hunt. I mean, that's, it's getting you tied. It's getting you tied down now for whitetail season alone. Yeah, uh, by doing little extra things. And if you got, I recommend anybody that's got the opportunity to go out west, they should because that's where you really find out, uh, become in tune with your bow. And then when you come back home, man, your confidence is out of the roof. Yeah, especially uh, if you go hunting else. something like uh, something wiry, fast, and something hard to get close to, you, like a, like a pronghorn is. Yeah, that like the yeah. the example of what long range western. I mean, you're going to shoot a long distance in most cases, like especially spot and stock on right. on an antelope out west. Yep. Um, what I found, we go to South Dakota and chase them around. It's hard to get yep. within fifty of some of them pressured public land goats. So, yep. yeah, I was the, I was just talking to a buddy last night, Dylan Rustler. He uh, uh, he's the one to help me fix my air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Rustler. But um, he was, we, he's been on South Dakota, that, that antelope hunt, a couple times now. We were, he kind of had me intrigued a little bit last night Yeah, uh, talking about that. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's something on my bucket list. I want to get out there and, and try a couple times. Dude, it's so fun. Yeah. It seem, I mean, it seems like a blast. And plus, like you said, you really, you might have to put that equipment to the test. I mean, you're not going to not, I mean, depending on what right situation or uh, right time of the year, you could probably get them come right in your lap, but you got to be ready to shoot. Yeah, we'll take a poker one. For I sure. killed mine at fifty, and I've been. I mean, it all depends on where they're at and what piece they're at. I haven't had a much closer than fifty in South Dakota, but yeah. it, it might just be the area my I'm in, you know. But you know, you watch other guys show up to those spots and get out with an antelope decoy and sprint at them, and then they all run off, and then they run back to their truck and run and go find the next batch, and they get out and yeah. run with a decoy at them, and then. I don't know. I'm like, well, no wonder these things are so dang wiry. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. but it's not that way everywhere, you know. But, but that's a good example right. of, uh, you know, I before I went on that hunt, I shot for a longer distance hunt. I shot for a 50 yard shot, you know, is what I prepared right. for. Um, out west, you just never know. Right, and that's that's something I forgot to say. That's 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 really what my job is. My job is to bows right now are the most expensive they've ever been. They are literally, um, man, they are, I remember at one point, you know, they were 700 bucks for a flagship bow. Uh, those days are long gone. Yeah. And, uh, but the, but the, the technology is 10 times better than it ever was. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is a lot of guys go to shops and they don't go to the right shop or the right pro shop. The guys that really want to spend the extra time is they go there and they buy a $1,200 bow, 12, 13, $1,400 bow. And it shoots like, a $900 bow, like an $800 bow. Like if you don't give it, if you don't have somebody working on it and setting it to way it's supposed to be, you're never going to get the full potential out of that bow for what you paid for. Mm-hmm. So, if, you know, obviously we want to, you buy a $1,200, $1,300 bow off of me, I want it to perform like a $1,200, $1,300 bow. And there's usually so much more there that you can unlock, but the average guy just slaps whatever the, the coolest thing they've seen on YouTube on there or whatever, and they just slap it on there and roll with it. And they just, they just wasted a lot of money, and these bows have a lot of potential um, if you just had the right guy kind of help you work with it a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's what you're going to get at a good a good pro shop. There's a ton of them still out there, man. It's not like 
they're all gone. It's just you got to look a little harder than uh, than once before, you know. For sure, for sure. No, that's that's great advice because everybody wants the new flashy thing, or really, it's what it comes down to is you want what you feel good about. Mm-hmm. And if that's yep. like, for me, I like my bow. I like the way it looks. I like the way it shoots. I'm feeling confident in how it's tuned in. Like that is the yep. right recipe you want. You don't want to spend $1,200 on a bow and have this like ounce of doubt with it. Like that sucks. That's a, that's a shitty situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, another thing too, is I, as I, I kind of take pride in this too, is I'm not there. I tell the customers all the time. I'm not here to upsell you. I'm not here to, try to sell you the most most expensive thing. If I got a new guy comes in and he's new and he's he's somebody's told him to come in and buy the newest flashiest thing there was and it's $1300 $1400 and he's new and I and I take him and and I I put a $700 $800 bow in his hand and the the $1300 bow and he can't see the difference. I, we're not going to why would we shoot the $1300 bow? Let's mm-hmm. let's get to there one day. Let's cut so my job is to show you where you can cut some corners. And where not to cut corners. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I take pride in. Uh, every there's literally options for everything now. Little literally A through Z, whether it be rests, sights, bows, arrows. I mean, literally anything and everything you want for every price point. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I just you know obviously we want a good bow, but we don't want to we don't want to you know a good rest is really really important. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, we can shoot. I mean, we could put a cheap sight on there any time. Uh, I don't prefer it, but <laughs> right. um, it's, it's something we could get away with real easy. But that rest and that bow have got to be on the same page to get, you know, everything out of it. But yeah. uh, a quiver, like guys will come in and, you know, they want to get, well, my buddy said I need to get this $250 quiver. Well, I mean, what are you going to be shooting with it on your bow? Are you just taking it off and putting it on the tree next to you? Well, yeah, it's just getting my arrows in the woods. Well, how, how about we buy the $40 quiver, save 200 bucks, and put that into our rest or our sight or arrows or something like that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I have guys come in and what's your budget? You know, everybody kind of looks at me and I'm like, and what's your budget? I mean, that's what, let's find the best we can find and where we can cut corners for your budget. Mm-hmm. If your budget's not a, if it's not the, if it's not an option or whatever, we'll just, we'll get the best stuff we could put on there. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's what a pro shop's going to do for you too. They're not going to sit there and upset you. They're going to tell you, they, they have, they have lots of product knowledge that they're going to be able to tell you uh, if they've not shot it and played with themselves, they've got really, really trusting um, people. They look, you know, they, they trust their opinions on that uh, they're going to let you know, you know, because there's so many things like broadheads, man, I can't even keep track on all. I'm tired of hearing about broadheads. You know, the truth, like everybody's (laughs) got a new broadhead. I'm tired of it. I can't, I can't keep up with them anymore, man. I can't even shoot them all at something and tell you what they're all like anymore. I mean, it's just all copy of each other and they all look the same. And I can't even, I honestly, like, I hate to be that guy, but when someone's like, Oh man, have you seen this new broadhead? I start like glazing over and like, looking. (laughs) I'm like, right, I don't right. care. Don't tell me about your broadhead. I don't care at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, maybe that's, that's mean, that, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, that's, that's, it's tough, man. That's, um, but my, my hate is my, the worst thing I hate is when a guy buys a 13, 1400 and then he, then he goes in and puts on a, some cheap rest to throw on it. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, ah, oh, dude, like let's, let's buy a cheaper bow and put more quality stuff on there. Yeah. Um, that makes a ton of sense. You know, it's like stuff that more, is like it's a direct effect on the performance of your setup ra- rather like than the quiver. I really like that example. It's like, right. you know, I, I shoot the quiver on and I don't yeah, know. And I tell everybody, so if you're going to shoot the quiver on, then it's worth the extra money to get a nice one on there because you're going to feel that whether it be the weight or just when every time you shoot. Yeah. 
And so. we put a, we put a sidebar set up on mine, and I really like the way it's it feels. It feels to me that bow feels very balanced. So, yeah, you had a pretty slick setup there. It looked like I think you you two are going to get along just just fine. I hope so, man. I've been shooting it and loving it. I need to I need to get a full day of romance with it, and uh, <laughs> right, you know, I, I having the kids in the yard. I, I you know I'm limited how many arrows I get out, but uh, <laughs> right, pretty much. You know what I mean? Pretty much from. Really, now on, like tomorrow morning before I come here, I'm shooting, and I'm going to do that before I go to bed and, and just get my get my shoot time in when I can, when I'm feeling good. So so where, when are you leaving? Head, head out that way. Into September. I'm not sure. <clears throat> it, I'll be out the 26-ish, okay. give or take a day or two on each side of that, depending on travel. So you're going to hit the rut pretty good then? I think so. Yes, I yeah, think that'd be, that'd be pretty sweet, man. I know you're gonna have to give me, you're gonna have to keep me play by play as you go. I'm excited for it, dude. I will. I'll, I'll keep you in the loop, and because I hunted elk last year, so this technically I did two elk hunts last year. I hunted archery in Wyoming, and then that tag turns into firearm season tag, and I went back oh, middle cool. of October yeah. and killed my uh, my first bull, um, and my first one I did an over the counter. Uh, Colorado elk hunt with my boys from Buckstorm and my dad. And so I kind of have like this thing where I need to get one with my bow. I want to do it for my old man, yeah. you know, like get in there and just smoke one, like right up, right up in my face would be amazing. So you're going to, you're going to go nuts if it happens. <sighs> I can see it already. I can't imagine, dude. I went nuts when I shot one with a gun, you know? Yeah. Yep. I, I can't imagine with a bow, but, but my archery hunt last year was a, a, so much fun, man. I, I, I had every like experience you could have as an archery elk hunter without actually shooting one. You know, I had really? every type of encounter. I I felt that I could have had that week. Or man, know. that's that's all you can ask for when you're bow hunting on a bow hunting trip like that for elk, especially yeah. elk are kind of like whitetails. I mean, there's no slam dunk. No, with with uh, with elk uh, unless you're shooting them in a pen. Other than that, man, it's about like big whitetails. I mean, there's no. You just got to go and go and go, and all you can ask is just be in the game. Yeah, uh, that's the experience. All that—that's that's pretty cool, man. I drew my bow back. I think every day except the first day. No kidding. Yeah, Dang. so I passed bulls. Um, I could have shot a bull with my. Um, mm-hmm. I could have shot like any bull, you know. Right. Um, I had. I there's a cool picture my buddy Devin took of me like standing there like this, and there's a raghorn like ten yards from me, and uh, um, I cool. had. A pretty good bull, like I don't know, maybe maybe Pope Young, maybe a little shy at forty, and just when he stopped, he stopped behind a like a jack pine and no shot, and I didn't feel like forcing it, you know, um, right? But you know, it was great, dude. It was so much fun. So yeah. we'll see. I'm hoping to have a a good a good shot window and a good opportunity on the hunt, and if if it works out, that'd be pretty damn awesome. So hell yeah, dude. We'll see. I'm looking forward to. Seeing what you do. I'm going to try and make time. your bow tuning proud. Yep. Please do. Please do. <laughs> Just please don't put any misses in that thing, man. Dude, I, I'm, <laughs> nope, no misses. I'm going to knock on wood. Knock on wood. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to do my best. Well, I'm going to shoot, you know, I'm going to shoot and get confident. And if I don't feel confident in the shot when it comes to it, I'm, you know, you don't shoot. So, right. Uh, but you got plenty of time, man. I, yeah. You know, you got, gosh, you got a solid month here to kind of, oh, yeah. Start and get really fine tuned things. Yep. And yep. I believe, believe it or not, I shoot a lot in the summertime, but man, um, throughout the whole summer, I always shoot, but you know, we can all get burnt out pretty easy. So you got to be careful. Like for me, I really like to usually by July, man, I really start revving it up each month. And in my August and I'm actually, I love, I love, and that's something to tell a lot of people to think about. Uh, a lot of guys want to 
they want to shoot all summer long and then the season gets here and they don't want to shoot anymore. I mean, I shoot wow. more during the season than I do probably in July and August. Yeah. In September, I shoot quite a bit, but in October, it's very, very particular. I'm very particular about making sure I shoot constantly, constantly, constantly because it's easy. Like anything, man, it's easy to kind of get out of that groove. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I want to be, and I'll be ready for, uh, ready for the opportunity to present itself. The only time it's yeah. tough for me is obviously November. We just, we do a lot of all day sits. So, uh, I just try to get a few arrows whenever I can yeah. just to make sure everything's still good. Hell, I'll just do it. You know, I'll put a target in front of the headlights in the morning just to make sure, just get that doubt out of your head that the site's still on, you know. But yeah, for uh, sure. that's one tip that I would tell a lot of guys. Make sure you, you really rev it up even throughout the whole season. That's great advice. I, I feel mm-hmm. I kind of had a – so to people who listen to our catalog of podcasts to make it sound fancier than it is, I had a horse run me into a tree in Wyoming – and I really jacked up my left shoulder, which isn't my bow pole shoulder, but um, to the point where I every time I would shoot, it would like hurt bad, and it right. bothered me all into bow season last year. Like I was having a hard time if I was sitting, I couldn't pick my bow up off my bow hanger. Dang, so I kind of got like yeah. really gun shy. I'm like, man, I need to just like not do anything with this thing for a while. So I took a break from anything like that could have hurt it more because everyone's like, that's a torn rotator cuff, and I'm like, uh oh. This is starting to yeah. scare me. And yeah. then uh, I shot quite a bit when I had my bow this spring for bear camp. And then I just got my new bow in before I brought it to you. So now I'm like getting in. I bit my shoulders have been feeling great. Um, good, good. So I don't, I think I probably made the right move of kind of just being nice to it. Uh, but now right. I feel like I'm out of shooting shape by kind of taking Ooh. a break. But I, I think, right. you know, a couple more weeks, I'll feel, I'll start to feel pretty yeah, good. Yeah, as a bow hunter, man, those shoulders scare us to death when <sighs> when I'm start aching up. It's like the worst thing. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I know. We'll have to get, we'll have to get you a crossbow before you know. No. No. <laughs> I, I will say this, though. Don't think I'm above it. If I break, if I broke both my shoulders, yep. your boy's going you're, hunting. You're, yeah, you ain't too proud. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be out there double casted up, you know, rolling out there. I mean, you gotta do what yeah. you do. What you do, but if I can get it back and make a shot, I'm doing it. You know, so yeah. Well, yeah, I'm excited for you, man. Thank you, man. And I appreciate you know you kind of boxed out your morning for me, me driving out there, and so I really yeah, appreciate great. that. And also, you know, it's almost eleven o'clock at night, and we're doing this podcast on some random Tuesday. So I appreciate that yeah. also. Yeah. No. I was obviously, you know what? That's that. I mean, you were talking a little bit. Both of us, man. That's actually it was like the best time for both of us. Uh, this cr- time of year, man, at the shop. I'm. Uh, it's it's just it's crazy. You got to get you got to stay caught up. I mean, real quick, man. You can get your head underwater, uh, and you never know when a rush is going to come through. Right. Um, so, so I'm trying to always keep up on stuff. And most of my work, I got to do when I'm closed. So, you know, we're open all day long selling stuff, and then when I got to do the labor work and stuff, I got to you know do that before and after. So it becomes yeah. a twelve hour day real quick. Real you fast. Know, I love it. You know, it's. But it's every year, man. You know it's coming. When it hits, it's full it's throttle. Hard. Well, right. One thing I don't want to miss: where can people find you if they want you to build marrows or tune their bow or anything like yep. that? What What's the process like? Yeah. So, I mean, if you if you just want to get a hold of us on uh, any of the social media platforms, we're on all of them. Uh, me, uh, my wife Kristen. Some of you have met her already. Uh, or just the shop page, any of those three, man, that's, that's really the best place to find us. Okay. Um, just because it's the world we live in now, just easy on there. You can send a message just as if it was a text message. Um, and then usually if, you know, once I get, uh, kind of know a person, I just give my personal number. We just kind of 
text back and forth, talk back and forth, and then kind of figure it out from there. Cool. Um, but but yeah, I, I really enjoy that. That's the side of it. I really I really did, especially the people that like a lot of your listeners. They they really want to dig in a little deeper into it. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I want the customer. That's why I kind of always wanted to put on a pro shop. It wasn't to be like an ego thing or anything like that. It was to let you know that you're getting the next level stuff. The guy that is just like, man, I'm tired of you know just smacking stuff on there and and, and nothing being right. And yep. I, I, I kind of want people to know that we do take that next level. Now, I will tell you, once we get into the heart of like. And we're in that last week of September and into October. There's a lot of people, just your basic hunter coming out of the woodwork. It's hard to give you that A, that top A grade work uh, like you would if you would have brought it in in August and July and June, mm-hmm. where I can really spend that extra full hour with you. Now it might only be 20 minutes, 25 minutes, you know? Yeah. So just for people to remember that, try to, I know we live in a busy, crazy world now. We're all like, next year, next year, I'm going to get it in there. Next thing I know, it's next year already. And you're like, holy crap. Yeah. And I got season in a month. Uh-huh. Uh, and we're all guilty of it. But I just I just tell people, if you're really that serious about it, try to spend uh, that little extra month if you could. Um, and like my Western hunters, they always get my best work because, you know, they're always a month earlier or two than everybody else. Yeah. But uh, it, you know, most of your serious pro shops, if they're any good at it, man, they're swamped mm-hmm. in September and, Oct- and October. Uh, even all the way up through November. Now I have a couple guys that will work for me part time, and I'm usually I'm in a tree all of November, late October. Um, I sacrifice that Western hunting so I can sit in a tree all day long. Yeah, you got to have some you time. <laughs> yep, whitetails are my thing, man. That's always been since I was a little kid. I said about the time I picked up a bow, about the time I got crazy about whitetails. Mm-hmm. I enjoy turkey a little bit, but man, whitetails I'm super super serious about, and uh, I got to be out there. I've I've lost retail jobs over the years that. Uh, they're like, yeah, you're going to have to work in November. And I'm like, see ya later. <laughs> yeah. Not work. <laughs> I love it. This is not going to work. Well, let's I'd be- have a lot more money, a lot more toys, man. If, uh, <laughs> What for these crazy whitetails? <laughs> hey, you got to know what to sacrifice, man. And that's that's right. That's, that's all right. that matters. Nobody can say it must be nice, you know, when it comes to certain guys that are willing to give stuff up for it. But you know, we need to get you just in here, and we'll talk whitetail stories and archery hybrid episode. And uh, absolutely, just a good yeah, reason to hang out. Of, I got a lot of whitetail stories. <laughs> we gotta we gotta break in uh, to some of those. Get you in here with the boys. Uh, it's yep. a reunion that's well overdue. So yeah, I ain't seen, I ain't seen Austin in a while. We need I need to sit down. We need to have him there too. He leaves on an elk hunt in like next week. Oh, really? Where's he going? Wyoming. Oh, nice. I got to get nice. him some coolers. I got all his coolers. He's got to take out yeah. there. So did he have to draw for that hunt? Yeah, yeah. I think four or five there. points. So oh wow, so he's ready for this one then. He he's pretty dang excited. So that he's going he's to the same like spot I went last year. I he'll kill. I feel really good about it. Knock on wood really? for him. Yeah. Good deal. Well, tell him I said good luck. I, I said I ain't talked to him in a minute. We got to get you up here, man. We got to yep. do it. We'll just, we just got to put it on. As soon as, uh, as soon as the rut gets through here and we get, you know, out of December, uh, after that, our schedule opens up quite a bit. So definitely cool. have to put something down. We will. We will make that happen. You guys, man, you guys have come a long way since, uh, <laughs> I mean, you guys got a busy schedule yourselves now. You guys got to schedule stuff like six months ahead now, don't you? It's stupid. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, I'm very grateful for it, right? Like, I'm never starved right. for content, but, um, yeah, it's the days of, hey, dude, it's a Tuesday. You want to come on in two days? Those days are gone. You <laughs> Those know? days are gone, man. Yeah. I try to keep yeah. it more like that with the DeerCast series, like working class and DeerCast like we're doing now. But mm-hmm. it's also, I have to be careful because if I have a hunt planned or hunting season's coming in, it's hard to be week by week. 
with everybody I want to talk to because everybody's hunting. Or if there's a cold front, like you got to have a backup episode. So it's a challenge. So sometimes you got to do them at 11 o'clock at night. Or in your case, it's midnight where you're at. So (laughs) it's just, uh, it's part of it. It's good problems, you know. Yep. It's awesome, man. You guys need to keep grinding, man. You guys are doing awesome. Thanks, brother. I appreciate all your support. And you actually do listen too, which surprised me every time you bring it up. I'm like, yep. man, it's crazy that you do. But I, I try. I got. I got to keep up with my boys for sure. <laughs> well, dude, I think I think my favorite are the BS sessions most of the time. Yeah, those are the ones I always think are going to get us in the most trouble, and somehow um, they just do better than all the other episodes. But I think right. it's because it's just shop talk, you know, exactly, right. kind of what we're doing. It's it's uh, locker room talk just for everybody. I think is what it, yeah, right, what it right, is. Right. It's fun though, but dude, I, I appreciate the heck out of you. Thanks for cutting out some time for me for yeah, the Botoon and now, guys. Please get out, support your local pro shop. Um, if you don't have one, reach out to Josh and Shooters Archery and uh, get some setups out that way. You're gonna be cutting her close now, but at least you know about it. Put it on your calendar in uh, March to get set up to get stuff ready for next year. If not, so right. cool, man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate awesome, you. Buddy. Yeah, anytime, man. Like I said, uh. Good luck this fall, and um, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. But of course, uh, make sure you give me a play-by-play once you get out there. I'm I'm anxious to see what uh, what you shoot. Thanks, buddy. Well, best of luck to you too, and best awesome. of luck to everybody tuning in to this, uh, watching, listening. Man, we can't thank you guys enough. It's go time. You know what to do. Go shoot a giant. We love you. See you next week. Peace. <laughs>